Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. I spoke earlier today to Stephen Biggins, who's the CEO of Core Lithium, ASX listed lithium developer, significantly advanced with assets in the Northern Territory. If you want our feedback on that conversation, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club where you can also find detailed company reports, uh, commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. You can find training videos, and summaries of other interviews that we've done. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go now and sign up for the waitlist, you qualify for a seven day free trial. Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good, Matthew. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. We tried to do this last week with, with technical difficulties, didn't we? But I think we've overcome. Uh, We're back again. I think I think it's about the fifth uh, sort of communication platform <laughs> I've sort of used in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Each one has its own sort of subtle things. So we're going to hear your story uh, today, core lithium story today. But uh, first of all, so where are you in the world? Yeah, so we're, we're based in Adelaide in South Australia. So our corporate office is in, in Adelaide. And our, our project and our operations office is in uh, Darwin in the Northern Territory. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, is, and is all well there? Because I hear you're all coming out of lockdown and it's, everything's fine, back to normal. Yeah, uh, yeah we are the, the lucky country. Uh, both South Australia and, and Northern Territory haven't had any um, new community cases for, for quite a long time. So um, uh, we're, the operations, both from, from our ability to travel um, back and forward between South Australia and the Territory um, is quite open and, and our ability to operate and, and do things. Um, it certainly feels like it's almost back to normal, but, um, you know, still, you know, sort of underlying um, sort of apprehension, if you like, about um, what's happened globally. Well, good. Okay. Nice. Very nice if we can all get back to work. So, look, we're going to talk about Core Lithium today. But first of all, can you just give me a one-minute overview of the business, not the sales pitch, but just, just tell us what you're up to? So, Core, Core has been um, developing the Finnis Lithium project near Darwin uh, for the last four and a half years. Um, we've, we've brought the project now to a point where it's uh, uh, construction ready. Um, we're working on op- optimization of the project right now. Uh, ahead of completing a definitive feasibility study uh, in the first quarter of next year. Um, And we're working on a a number of off-take deals at the moment. We're having off-take interest from from all over the globe uh, for our high-quality lithium product. Yeah, I mean, you're a significantly advanced project, a small project, but it's quite advanced. But lithium's been a bit of a dirty word in Australia, as far as investors are concerned, for about the last three years. Yeah, it's been a, a, um, a challenging market to, to work in um, for the last three years as the, as the commodity price itself has, has decreased. Um, and I, I think we're at a point now um, where um, we're seeing most operations in Australia, unfortunately, being um, unprofitable. Um, and there's recent news today of, of an Australian lithium miner uh, going to administration. So, um, uh, that, but... That is in the context of um, uh, you know, very strong themes globally um, around EV growth, around uh, growth and, and um, recovery in the global economy uh, through support of, of zero emission and, and, and low emission economy going forward. So you know, for the Green Deal, for example, in the UK, in, in Europe. Um, 
as being a really strong driver for the need for the new lithium supply in the future. So we're well placed to, to meet that need, but the, the market's been tough um, for the last two, two or three years. Is that why you segued off into gold? Uh, we've been having some success with our gold exploration in, in, the, in the recent months. Um, but really that's, uh, that's come from having a bit of thinking time um, during COVID. So um, our geologists uh, over, you know, earlier in the year actually had a little bit of time with, with the data that we've collected from the project. And um, what was some interesting gold numbers uh, that we'd sort of um, picked up over, over time uh, with, with a bit more sort of uh, uh, assessment is actually building into something that's uh, quite coherent and, and substantial. Um, so that, that's certainly of interest to us at the moment and, and, and to the market, uh, but we're very much focused on delivering Australia's next looking project. I'm glad to hear it, but let's let's just talk about the gold stuff so we can understand it. Why why you've chosen that route? So you've acquired um, by now or by now um, from Lionstown uh, Resources. Um, why why spend the money on that? Why not spend it on your lithium project? Yeah, so the the uh, the, the acquisition of the Bino tenements from Liontown was really part of a uh, consolidation story that we've we've had as we've built the project over the last few years. So um, just to give you some background, um, the the Bino pegmatite field has been mined for tin and tantalum for, uh, for over 100 years and by green bushes um, back in the 1980s and 90s. So green bushes were operating there as a central processing facility. Um, and that history is not unlike um, most of the large lithium deposits around the globe. Um, and obviously green bush is, uh, you know, is, the, is the, the richest and um, lithium mine in the world. Um, really what CORE has been doing over the last five years is consolidating the old green bushes tenure back together. So the old mining tenements and the old exploration tenements that, that green bushes had. So um, part of it was, was putting deals together with privateers, um, um, picking our own ground and probably the, you know, the last sort of piece of the puzzle was the, the acquisition from Liontown, um, who had also been actively exploring and, and drilling for lithium in the area as well. So from the moment that you announced the deal with Liontown to, to buy up that package, to now, share price hasn't moved. So, you know, do you, are you seeing some sort of future value to the process you're going through now? Because there certainly isn't any value created now and you've, you know, handed over $1.5 million. Yeah, so the, that, um, that $1.5 million was the, the last um, payment, if you like, to Liontown. So the, the deal is itself, we, complete, we, uh, we completed two years ago and we've been actively working on that tenure. Um, and that's added significant resources and reserves to the project, um, as well as has given us access to the large uh, water storage facility that Greenbush has built in the 1980s. So it's been a very value accretive um, deal and good for Liontown and, and good for Gore. So just, just on, on the Gold Project, you're going to continue working on that for now until you see some sort of movement in the lithium market. So you must have a view as to when you think the lithium market's going to get to a point where it becomes a bit more uh, relevant for you to spend more time on your lithium portion of your projects. Yeah, we're, we're actively resource drilling on, on the lithium resources right now, Matthew. So, um, yeah, we're, we're still very much focused on, on delivery of, of the lithium project. Um, 
And just going back to your sort of point point before about the um, sort of the share price and the deal with with Limetown, um, I would suggest over the last financial year and even in the context of a significantly decreasing uh, lithium price, that uh, the core was was one, if not the the best performing ASX listed uh, lithium stock um, over the last financial year. How do you measure? So that? we kicked a lot of goals. How, yeah. How, how um, do you measure that? Um, share, share price at beginning of the financial year and share price at the end of the financial year. Um, so we had a very good year, uh, which reflected the fact that we, we kicked a number of milestones on the project. We had full approval from the, from the Northern Territory Government. Um, we signed our first off-take deal with the European Party um, and uh, increased our resources 50% and reserves by 150%. So we kicked some significant goals. Now, I appreciate you've done a lot, but in terms of share appreciate, unless you, unless all the other lithium projects have gone down, you, your share price hasn't gone up too much if you know four cents at the beginning year and it's 0.48 now if, if that's the if that's the measure by which you're you know quantifying your success mm. you know I'd, I'd argue that it hasn't exactly been stellar but what you've done is significant hasn't been recognized mm. Mm. but what you have delivered a lot of things that you said you would uh, deliver and you've delivered them on time and it's you're, ma- you're managing your cash flow so i definitely agree with you on that so you mean do you think that the market should have recognised you more than it has done? I, I think there's been a level of recognition, but it's been in the context of the, the underlying lithium price moving from 950 bucks US to uh, 350 bucks US. So, um, you know, keeping our head above water share price-wise has been a real achievement. Um, but I agree, there's, there's a substantial amount of value in the, in the potential value in the company, particularly when we... Now, if you look at the revenues of the project, which should be in the order of $160 million per annum, and our market cap is about 50, and we've got one of the lowest CapEx lithium projects um, in Australia, um, yeah, there's a lot of upside. But, you know, th- th- there needs to be that confidence, if you like, with investors to, to come back into the lithium sector. Okay, so and just finish off on the gold, okay? One last question, which is sure. how much value are you attributing to it? So your market cap's around, what, 47, 48 million bucks today. Um, how much are you attributing to the gold project? Yeah, I, I think at the moment it's it's early stages. Um, but what we're seeing is some, some very, very exciting results. Um, I would say with even the, within a matter of weeks of us, um, you know, our geologists not only looking for lithium, but putting their gold goggles on. Um, and we're finding some really exciting results, and that includes you know, seeing visual visual gold at surface, um, you know, some pretty significant numbers, um, and uh, we think it's pretty exciting. It'll be exciting for our shareholders um, moving into 2021. It's also confusing. So what, what's the plan with the gold? Because sorry, you're a lithium company or mm. a gold company, different sets of mm. skills mm. required, one's sure. more technical than the other, and gold's up. There'd be no shortage of buyers if you keep delivering uh, results like you did in September of grades of over 100 grams. Yeah, so the, the aim is to, to keep adding value to the gold projects, um, essentially until we, we will, we're launching uh, the lithium project. Um, and then at that point, it, it uh, seems sensible that, that those sort of assets that asset suite would sort of move in their own way. Um, we've talked about sort of restructuring, not only our gold, but um, quite a significant silver project that we have in the Northern Territory um, in 2021. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll look at that strategy and that restructuring when the timing's right and best outcome for shareholders. 
I guess that's what I was trying to work out why, how much value you're attributing to it and, you know, how, yeah. how much more time, money and effort do you spend on the non-core, like gold, silver projects, yeah. uh, before you say, hey, some, come in and JV, hey, buy this, hey, spin out, Wait, and whatever, whatever your decision is at that point. Because yeah. the, the question earlier was really about, isn't it a just distraction from delivering your core focus, which is the lithium project? Well, there's, there's probably two things there is that um, we, we've set a time frame for, for completing our Finidu feasibility study and our objective to, to reach FID on the lithium project um, in 2021. Um, the work that we're doing on the gold, um, gold exploration in budget-wise is, is probably you know, sort of not material, if you like, to the budgets that we're spending on. You know, we've got two diamond rigs, drilling away on our resources right now, uh, mining engineers, process engineers, metallurgists, uh, working on delivering the feasibility study. Okay. Um, and you know, the, the, the value that we're getting out of the exploration, on, out of the, the dollar spent on, on exploration on gold, um, even though it's not material dollar value, um, we think it will add material value to, to the value of those gold assets and shareholders. Beautiful. At, at some point in the future, to be defined. Yep. Okay. When, when, we, when we see the best opportunity and the best value for shareholders. Okay. We expect that sometime in 2021. Okay. So, so sometime next year. Brilliant. Um, so let's get on to lithium. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, you, you're in the midst of a, a DFS delivery for next year. So what can you tell us today about the economics and some of those numbers around the lithium project? Yeah. Um, Core, Core is looking to build one of Australia's most capital-efficient lithium projects um, in the Northern Territory, and that really builds on you know, two key advantages that the project has. The one, which is its location, and you'd like to call it good planning, but sometimes the rocks are just in the right place. Um, you know, these high-grade high and some of the highest-grade spodumene deposits in Australia um, are located 25 kilometres away from Darwin Port, in a straight line, um, and Darwin Port is Australia's closest closest port to markets in Asia. So, the project has the best logistics chain to, to markets in Asia of any Australian lithium project. Um, and also, that location um, gives us access to infrastructure. So, we have a, um, a high quality sealed um, road, which which um, which is five hundred metres away from the mine and the processing facility. That's already built, and owned and maintained by government. And that links us directly to to Darwin Port. Um, it's licensed for for quad road trains, um, so that feeds into a, a, a transport cost of only seven dollars US a ton to move material from mine to port, and that's Australia's closest port to Asia. So we don't need to build camps. Um, the project's forty five minutes away from the suburbs of Darwin airstrip. We don't need to build an airstrip. We're an hour's drive from the international airport. So. All of that is that's that sort of infrastructure that's not needed, um, that, that doesn't doesn't hit hit hit, hit, our, hit our capex. Um, and importantly, the second second key advantage the project has is that we can produce a, a high quality uh, DMS, uh, a high quality lithium concentrate through simple DMS gravity process. Um, so that enables us to avoid the capex associated with flotation. Um, and that's about two thirds the capex. Um, you know, so you've got so you avoid all this cap, capex plant 
we've got we don't need to build whole roads, no camps, no airstrips. So feeds into a capex of around $85 million Australian. And we're producing uh, 180,000 tonnes per annum of concentrate. So that's similar similar production profile to say, um, you know, Galaxy or, or, or Altura, or probably even more than Pilbara have been producing over the last 12 months. But a capex that's significantly lower, um, and then particularly a significantly lower uh, debt burden for the project as a result as well. Yeah, no, I like I like that. So, tell me about the the thought process at the beginning because you've got a seven year life of mine. I assume you expect to be able to extend that, but you decided to kind of go early and not kind of build a huge resource before um, delivering the DFS. So, what was the thought yeah. process there? Why did you feel you needed to accelerate that time frame? Yeah, well, typically, um, you know, minerals projects you know, need, need to provide a, a certain sort of life of mine, you know, sort of seven to eight years to sort of um, you know, provide the the uh, length of mine, if you like, to finance the project. Um, based on our discussions with um, debt financiers to date, uh, we think we've achieved that goal. Um, the I suppose what we're trying to do also is balance you know the um, the amount of drill budget that's required to deliver a much larger resource, and particularly when the cost of capital is high, when the commodity price isn't going the right direction, we're trying to be as efficient and you know get that balance right, if you like, between you know very big big uh, drill budgets that that um, yeah that might be expensive um, at the bottom of the market um, versus versus delivering the project that's that's financeable. Um, and uh, yeah, it ticks all the boxes right now. Right. So, and, and I, I, I want to come back to that, the capex component. But talk to me about your or the team's experience at getting contracts, agreements, MOUs in place, so you you can raise that um, debt package because people are, that's what they're going to want to see. They want to see that you can sell this into market. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We've we've um, we've had um, yeah. Ex- uh, extensive um, uh, discussions and negotiations with a range of parties all over the globe that have interest in our high-quality lithium product. Um, just about every international party that's been to the project recognises the very sort of simple uh, processing and logistics connection um, to, to, to markets, to overseas markets. Um, our earliest offtake um, deal it was was signed up with with Zichuan Yafa, um, who are one of China's largest lithium producers. Um, they've just built another twenty thousand tons of lithium hydroxide conversion capacity at their yarn plant. Um, so we've got a binding agreement for about forty percent of our production with with Yafa, so seventy five thousand tons per annum. Uh, in addition to that. Um, Earlier this year, we signed our first offtake with a European party, so with Swiss-based Transamine, uh, 50,000 tonnes per annum. And um, we're currently working towards binding agreements with with Transamine. Um, We've also uh, more recently signed an MOU with with another Chinese converter called Jinfeng for another 30,000 tonnes. And there are a number of other parties, not not all of them in the... the, um, in the headlights and the, 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 that we're talking to um, that may come, come to uh, uh, be part of our, our uh, offtake book. Okay, so you've got significant binding agreements in place. Great. And you've got conversations with all the right people. You know, Kang Fang, obviously. Fantastic. Um, 
What, what, so what are you now able to tell us about the cost of the financing? You must have looked at that. You're looking for 80, 85 million. How, how does that break down? What's mm. the cost of that to you? Yeah, so we're, we're looking at um, a range of um, project, you know, relatively standard project finance alternatives. Um, there's a senior debt piece that we're working on at the moment. Um, but uh, we're, we're, talking, we're doing some soft marketing on right now. With the aim that we sort of really, um, you know, sort of looking at that in in you know, with more certainty um, as we as we're heading towards FID um, in 2021. The um, what we've also seen and a strong sort of background, if you like, to to that sort of project finance is is that that strong movement um, for ESG investment um, and a mandate given to a number of banks particularly European banks um, that are interested in and, and are, are mandated and interested in um, financing projects that are going to be contributing to zero emission and low emission economy. No, I, I get all that, but I'm saying like you, you're, you're a small company, it's, it's your first project. You, If you're doing these soft conversations, you must be getting sort of indications of what the cost of the money is going to be because that's a knock-on effect for, for you, and I, and I mm. get I get the IRRs are quite good, but you know, and as you move along and you get the DFS done, I, I suspect the terms will change. But are you seeing the sorts of numbers that you expected to see, or or not? In regards to Cost the the project returns, uh, what what we're looking at is um, actually a significantly decrease in cost of capital for, for lithium projects. What we're what we're targeting is bank bank finance, so bank finance rates. Um, whereas earlier in the, in the sectors, um, early in the sector's life, um, you know, your standard bank finance wasn't available. Um, where it certainly seems like um, banks are much more interested in being involved in. In financing the lithium industry, and and I think it reflects the you know, the ESG um, mandate that the banks have and and, and their their investors. Okay, I guess we'll know more as you know more. You're you're in the middle of these conversations. You can't you can't be that open about it. Um, Australia and China relations not particularly good at the moment, certainly in terms of uh, commodities and trading and so forth. So. How does that affect the binding agreement that you've got in place now or any discussions with Gang Fang? Is it, does it impinge on it at all? Does it sort of restrict you in any way? Yeah, we, we, we still maintain a good relationship with, with Yapa, uh, keeping in close contact and, and regular communication. Um, I would suggest you know, that the Chinese customers are, um, you know, are as connected as we are with you know, the interest of coming out of Korea and Europe. Um, in other parts of the world, um, you know, that you can't can't be forgotten that um, you know, currently that, that you know China is the is the um, processing hub for for spodumene out of Australia currently. Um, but we we're also planning ahead, if you like, and and our deal with Transmean is part of that, if you like, of um, you know being linked to to current markets in in China and Asia, but also positioning ourselves for. The diversification of lithium supply chains globally, you know, through Europe, um, the other parts of Asia, and into the states. Okay, because the point I'm trying to get at is, can the Australian government damage your binding agreement? Because that's the basis on which funders are going to fund you. Or do you need to have secondary options in Europe or the United States in, in those kind of 
you know, uh, eco, EV ecosystems looking for a lithium spodumene? Yeah, I, I, I don't say uh, so that those trade tensions are affecting sort of real life contracts in the lithium space right now. And we're seeing, you know, continued trade and, and sale between Australian lithium producers and, and Chinese converters right now. So those contracts are well in place and, and operating. Um, uh, but what, what we do see, I, I think, is is a diversification, if you like, of of um, sort of our, our um, of our customer base, um, which is you know, sort of going to be sort of matching, if you like, the diversification of the lithium supply chain globally. Okay, how much cash have you got? Yeah, we've got uh, about seven mil cash in the bank at the moment, so we're, we're well funded. Um, yeah, as I said, we've got active resource drilling programs on at the moment. Um, we're working on some mine optimization and, and, uh, and metallurgical work. Um, so we're well funded. Yeah, we've had our foot on the accelerator uh, over the last four and a half years consistently. Uh, the bones of the project are strong and are good and have attracted funding. Um, so we've been able to continue to build the project towards being uh, constructed and ready. Does it get the DFS finished? Yeah, so that, that'll enable us to, to complete the DFS. And uh, really, our objective is to um, is to be um, you know, approaching FID um, with the, with the funding that we already have. Okay, F- fantastic. And, um, and and that's sort of comfortably. You not you don't envisage any kind of need to raise any more capital next year, just to make things comfortable. Well, really, if we're looking to achieve FID, um, there'll be a you know, a big project financing that we're no, involved in. No, I, I, um, obviously, but I, I meant as in terms of the seven million gets you through to your DFS, at which point you there's an FID to happen. But I'm talking about next year up on to the delivery of the DFS, no additional funding yeah. required. Correct. That's right. It's well funded. It's funded, budgeted. Yeah. Okay. What's your what's your take on the lithium market? Because as I say, last three years, Australian investors haven't really cared about lithium. When do you think mm. they're going to start noticing lithium again? I think in the next few weeks. Matthew, I think I think from what I'm hearing, speaking to people, um, uh, that uh, the stockpiles are starting to diminish in China. Um, I think particularly with um, you know, 20%, 25% of Australian production uh, being taken off the market in the next few weeks um, as Altura goes into care and maintenance. Um, I think there's going to be you know, a, a bunch of, uh, of customers there that, that are losing supply. Um, and even before that, um, you know, over the last few months, we'd start to, to see uh, more competitive interests for, for offtake um, and, and that sort of the breadth of offtake, you know, the jurisdictions that are interested um, are increasing. And, um, you know, Core is really well positioned in that, you know, we're one of the few projects globally that, that are construction ready. So, I mean, obviously with, with P- the Piedmont deal with um, Tesla, with the lithium spodumene, I think that sort of brought things into the light a little bit as well. Are you, seeing, are you having conversations with automotive manufacturers or is it just, you know, metals guys? No, we're, we're having conversations all the way um, through the lithium supply chain. So not just sort of converters, but all the way through, yes, to, uh, to car manufacturers and battery manufacturers. Okay, interesting, interesting times. Okay, so your your message to existing shareholders is steady as we go. It's going to get more interesting in the next few weeks. Next year we'll deliver the DFS, and you look at the amount of agreements, MOUs, and uh, contracts we have in place. It's all good, no problems. Well, what what we have been able to do is build a really strong foundation for the project. 
funded all the way through to, to a process now where it's de-risk, ready to construct, um, and we're in the right position at the right time for recovery of the, the lithium price and lithium markets. And I don't think anyone can, can doubt how strong the themes are now, and particularly even post-COVID, how strong the themes are towards uh, global-led global, um, recovery, um, contributing to a, to a zero-emission economy. So all of those themes are, are aligning, if you like, for, for the need for lithium for, for renewable energy storage and for, for lithium batteries for cars, um, and the need for new supply to be able to enable the global achieve. Okay, so existing shareholders, they've bought the story, they're a believer, you've you've delivered. What do you say to new investors, people looking at the battery metals, lithium specifically, it's very confusing, it's very technical, um, you know, market. So what what do you say to them, get them interested? What should should they be thinking about? I would say um, it's time to reposition yourself back into the lithium sector. Um, You know, the the prices are bottoming. most of the forecasting analysts I'm seeing around the sector are saying this this is calling the bottom, um, and you know, core is a is a is a very attract in a very attractive position with a low risk project producing high quality lithium concentrates um, and one of the most capital efficient projects in the world. Um, you know, well positioned for the recovery in the in the lithium price. Okay, one question sent in: Have you solved the water problem yet? We have a we have a, a large. Um, Water storage facility um, uh, that's uh, that uh, really came to us as uh, a, um, a present from Greenbush's tin and tantalum operations in the area from uh, from 30 years ago. So there's a there's a dam there and a large water facility. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a and yes. the rainfall and that's a yes. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay. And there's a discussion in the chat rooms, and I just you know sometimes it's just. Good to kind of deal with, deal with those. Well, actually, yeah, so one, one last one. So what are, what are the kind of red flags that you see that you've got to deal with and mitigate over the next 12 months to kind of get your DFS done and over the line? It's things that are perhaps out of your control. I think, um, yeah, like the rest of the sector, um, we're going to be you know, market sentiment and uh, it's going to be affected by the lithium price. So, you know, that's really you know, a large part of the, the, the puzzle that we don't have control over. Um, but in regards to you know, the components of the project that we do control, including the feasibility study, having offtake in hand and preparing ourselves for project finance, um, it's really just about sort of, you know, getting commercial licence and um, working with our customers about uh, you know, when to deliver the project. Brilliant. Stephen, thank you for your time today. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Looks like there'll be lots to talk about uh, coming up real, real soon. So uh, stay in touch, pick up the phone. Yeah, great. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate your interest. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.